It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right, you can double your money by hammering the over. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting, so tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Maximum $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends May 23rd, 2021. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Process Potables. This is episode number 85, titled The Play-In Pod. And before I get to the episode, I want to let everybody know about a contest happening on Twitter right now. Make sure that you're following us at Process Potables. All you have to do is follow at Process Potables, at Hoops Podnet, which is the network that we are officially a part of now, and retweet the tweet that has the picture with this that tells you to do this all, whatever, retweet that, and you could win a free NBA jersey. It's that easy. Two follows and a retweet. Don't quote tweet it. Don't retweet your friend's tweet of it. Go find the tweet and retweet it. We have to have the most retweets on our tweet of any pod on the network to be the winner for this. So we get the most retweets. You potentially win a jersey. It's that simple. Again, at Process Potables, go do it. And as you heard at the top of the episode, if you feel like signing up for DraftKings Sportsbook, use code TBPN. It, it can't hurt. It certainly cannot hurt. As far as Twitter goes, I'm your host, Dan. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Says That, and I am joined by my best friend and co-host, Steve. You can find him on Twitter at SWJones87. Steve, we're not going to play the Celtics. Yeah, how about that? Part of me kind of did want to play the Celtics just because sure? sure? I hate them, but you know what? <laughs> Screw it. Yeah. We, we've seen enough of them in the playoffs the past uh, few years. That's kind of, so. you know, it's one of those things where, you know, would I be scared? No. But did, was I wishing for them? No, because it just seems, no, like, a, it seems like a really bad idea. Um, yeah. It just, it you know, it doesn't seem like we, I don't want to mess with fate in a year that I am very, very high on this team. And we'll talk about that later. We're not going to face Celtics. And what is it? We're not going to see the Nets, Bucks, or Heat until the Eastern Conference Finals. So. Right, and we could only see one of them. Yes. So You'll love to see it. 
Love to see it. We'll talk way more about potential Sixers playoff matchups and whatnot. I just want to let everybody know later in the episode, uh, I actually just got off a call having an interview with Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers, a longtime friend of mine. He's been on the pod before, so it's great to have him back on. A lot of the stuff me and Steve are going to touch on a little bit, me and Harrison go into great detail. It is the majority of the episode, so stay tuned for that. Follow Harrison on Twitter at Harrison underscore Grimm with two M's. And again, Harrison, a contributor for Liberty Ballers. So make sure you're following Liberty Ballers on Twitter at Liberty underscore Ballers. A lot of great content. I'm sure anybody listening to this probably already knows Liberty Ballers. A lot of big names have come from there um, and gone on to do great things. And there's still a lot of great people that contribute there as well. So uh, really happy to have Harrison on, and I thought it was a really great conversation. So stay tuned for that. But, Steve, I want to get your thoughts before we get to all of that. The Sixers are the only team in the East who do- does not know who their first-round opponent is. Indiana and Washington will play Thursday night, so we're recording this Wednesday. So tomorrow night, Thursday night, 8 p.m. on TNT. I need to know who who you prefer to face, but then I need to know regardless of that, who's winning that game and why. So the team, I think I actually prefer to face would be Washington. Uh, part of it is because this really stupid rationale and hope that I kind of want to see us sweeping them while uh, Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double the entire <laughs> series. I, You know, it sounds crazy, but I don't know if it's far-fetched, man, you know? Uh, no, that's probably what happens. You're not wrong. Yeah, and and dude, like I mean, l- listen, Char- Charlotte is a really bad team at, but like Indiana, who isn't. I don't know if they're really that much better than them, but they just like blew the doors off of them. And I feel like a team, a gritty team like that, you know, which there's some overlap with the earlier process Sixers teams. Um, you know, just like the, the grittiness and. You know, I'm not even talking about just like, you know, TJ McConnell, but I just feel like a team like that is built to win, okay, maybe seal one game, um, you know, if they're really lucky too, but I, you know, yeah, I think, you, you, yeah. You're saying everything Everything I talked about with Harris, so it's perfect. I said the same thing, Washington, we could sweep, maybe they win a game. There's no chance in my mind they win more than one. Indiana, if you told me we win that series 4-2, I wouldn't be that surprised. I really wouldn't. Yeah. When you're talking about how good they looked against Charlotte, yes, Charlotte was without Gordon Hayward, and they're a young, inexperienced team that has been struggling down the stretch. But Indiana went into that game without Miles Turner, without Karis LeVert, and still beat the hell out of the Charlotte Hornets. TJ McConnell was all over the place. On defense, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, man, like, you know, I I love to see him having success and stuff. I'm not one of the dudes who's like still pining for him to be here or pining for us to watch a 10 and 72 team that he's starting on. But he he's really playing well in Indiana, and he he looked awesome last night. Just gave them fits on defense. Sabonis had like 21 rebounds and was an assist shy of a triple double. And it's a shame because. He could have actually been like the NBA career leader in playing game triple doubles ahead of Russell Westbrook <laughs> if he yeah. had done it. But now, unfortunately, Westbrook will probably do it on Thursday just to be a dickhead. And that'll be his claim to fame will be Russell Westbrook has the most triple doubles in NBA play in tournament history with one. 
And it's like <laughs> you realize that, like, if he was that good, he wouldn't be in the fucking playing tournament, let alone playing two games in it, right? Yeah, it's almost like he's the best player of all time in purgatory, like, <laughs> after the regular season, but before the actual playoffs start. Like, <laughs> like, like it's... It, it's almost as meaningless as like preseason games. Like, not really, but it's like. I know what it, you're trying to say. It's yeah. definitely not, but I get I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. So okay, so you would rather face Washington. We both agree Indy's a better team. So do you think Indy's winning the game? I think I. It's tough because I, I could see it going either way, but I I do. I see Indy winning it. And then that might be the only win they get in the playoffs, but those two. But <laughs> well, you just said they could win one or two against the Sixers. Now you think they don't win they, anything? They, they they could, but you the know. Wizards are three and a half point favorites on DraftKings oh, right really? now, which is crazy to me. I I saw that they were three points on FanDuel, I think, and three and a half on uh, DraftKings. I took the Pacers plus three and a half this morning. I wanted to get out in front of it because I had a feeling the line would yeah. shift towards them. So far, no movement. I don't think anybody's going to touch that game till because I think there's a lot of money going in on Warriors-Lakers tonight, which is obviously the game to watch. So yeah. I feel like maybe not a lot of people are looking ahead to tomorrow night yet, but I was very surprised to see Indy as a, as a three-and-a-half-point underdog to Washington. It is in Washington. Uh, maybe yeah. there's maybe there's some value to that. I don't know. I don't really see it. Beal looked real banged up last night. You know, he had flashes yeah. where he looked good, but he's clearly not healthy. Russell Westbrook can't shoot to save his life um, and yeah. still thinks that he can play hero ball. I, Dude, I would love nothing more than Washington to play, like, 41 minutes of Westbrook and Beal steal that game and then have to come to Philly for game one and just get the <laughs> shit kicked out of them on Sunday, dude. Like, yeah. I, again, I, I don't worry about either of these teams. I think Indiana definitely makes it a little more interesting, but they're also beat the hell up. And, dude, the best thing about the playing tournament, we're resting, baby. We have yeah, I, week. it's funny because a friend of the podcast, Eric Mortarano, um, I know he said something, you know, about, you know, say what you, along the lines, he basically tweeted, you know, say what you want about the play-in, but we're getting all this rest. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of have the feeling of almost like having a first, you know, a week one bye in the playoffs, like, you know, in the NFL, but except that, uh, you know, 14 other teams are getting that right now. So, yep. uh, you know, I, for the Sixers sake, I like it, but... Like, dude, like, that that Charlotte game was just, like, really bad. And I keep going back and forth whether I like this or not. And I'm like, oh, like, this is not a good product to put on on the Tuesday. Dude, I I went out and watched uh, the games for the most part. I watched the first half of of Hornets Pacers at home. And then I went to Miller's. Miller's! Watched the second half of that and the first half of Boston-Washington there. And, like... I just loved what, you know, it's basically a, a couple extra playoff games. Like, they really are just playoff games. Free basketball. It's free yeah. basketball. And it's not, <laughs> you know, overtime on a Sixers West Coast game free basketball where I just want to go to bed. It's free basketball <sighs> yeah. on a weeknight where, like, you know, there, there's stakes to be had. And also, like, you know, especially when you're the one seed, like, it, these games are very entertaining because you could play any of these teams. So, like, you have somewhat of a vested interest. So I think there's a lot of good things for it. I'm definitely watching Warriors Lakers tonight. I'm really excited for that. Oh one. yeah, I'm not. I'm not watching Memphis San Antonio at all. But I'm watching Warriors yeah. Lakers. So 
I yeah. like it, man. I think it's here to stay. I think tonight, I think you're going to hear a lot of shit tonight and tomorrow about the ratings that that game does tonight. And you know Adam yeah. Silver is just going to come all over his fucking pants and <laughs> this thing's never going away now. Yeah, and and I I don't know if this is true, but I kind of had the feeling that, okay, this whole play-in tournament, because teams are only playing 72 regular season games, that, all right, maybe this is a way to make up lost revenue for TV deals oh, and whatever. But that's a really, so you think that this could potentially maybe uh, get them to lessen the regular season because they're going to add a couple games between that and the playoffs? That would make a lot of sense, man. I like that. Yeah, I and there's your I, I reward would, for being a, a for being a top six team is yeah. hey you 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 basically play you know two two less games and you get an entire week off before the playoffs like it's a really big deal yeah so now I have a feeling they might stick to eighty two or may, if they do cut anything back it'll be eighty because it almost seems like you, you we've had these hypotheticals in sports before and it's like the NFL's now at seventeen games. Um, and it, it almost feels like they'll never subtract games in sports. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I, I think 72 game, uh, you know, season is much better than having that playoff, that play in tournament, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see, but, uh, I think this is going to be here for a good amount of time, regardless of that. But I, I really love the idea of this being a good reason to shorten the regular season. Uh, again, I think one of the biggest things they struggle with is, you know, not having teams sit their best players in in other matchups, and I think that this obviously forced teams to play guys more and and made positioning a little bit more important. Uh, you'll hear me and Hare talk about it at great length. But the one thing that that I heard that I didn't really think about till I heard it on some national podcasts the past couple of days was the fact that people are paying a lot of attention to oh, like all this did was put a ninth and tenth seed in the playoffs, and those teams suck. And why do you want to see them? But this also made teams in like four, five, and six fight to hold their ground and stay out of that seven and eight seed where they could inevitably get bounced potentially. So I think that there's a lot of good That's true. for it. Yeah. Again, I'm fine with them playing less games. I don't want the players to get killed. I'm all for player you know, rest, and I'm all for opening up the schedule. I hate back-to-backs. I hate playing five games in seven days like I don't I don't want any of that stuff but I I do like this and I think that there has to be some conversation to be had where this can be a good reason to play less regular season games Uh, yeah especially I don't know if we'll ever see this but we've always talked about what if they start you know going forward after COVID they just start the regular season on or right after Christmas yeah Um, and that way you can space out the schedule a tad bit more not have all these you know, four games in six nights or five games in seven nights. Yeah. And I think it's it's a nice concession that Dude, they can I am, make. I am so about them starting the season on Christmas. Like, absolutely so about it. Please. Yeah, I and that's just so what, that's, that's all I need to not invite family over for Christmas. <laughs> like, oh, you know what, guys? Sorry. I, Sorry. Listen, you know I played basketball growing up. This is just how it is. I was <laughs> I was raised to be this way, so you're, get you're, the hell out. You were raised, raised the hoop, man. Damn right. Ball's hoop. life. All is life. So neither of us have any concerns with whoever the Sixers will play in the first round. Obviously, uh, we both agree we would rather play Washington than Indy, but neither poses that much of a threat. So um, we'll, we'll go into much greater detail once we know who it is. But just looking ahead to that Knicks-Hawks series, 
Uh, same thing as looking at Indy Washington. So as far as Knicks Hawks, you know, tell me who you prefer to face and why, and then tell me who you think wins that series and why. I prefer to face the Knicks, and as far as who win the, wins the series, it's I can't put my finger on it, man. But because I, I could see you know Atlanta just you know Trey Young just going off in a couple games, like if he gets hot, kind of like how Steph Curry has been all season. You know, I could see them shooting their way into the second round, and I don't, I don't know if New York has that ability. But I mean, for, part of me just feels that New York is just the most fraudulent four seed in all of NBA history. Like, I mean, there's definitely a case to be made. You're not, you're not crazy for yeah. saying it. And Julius Randle, just this entire season, just has to be a one-off. But I mean, their luck is going to have to run out soon, I would imagine. And you know, at the latest, that'll be the second round, if not the first round. Well, the. Uh... The funny thing is that Tom Thibodeau is the coach of the Knicks, and yep. do you know who won the award for the most uh, for the highest minutes per game average this season? Uh oh, Julius Randle. Yep, and the, I, uh, the Jimmy Butler effect. Right. So there is definitely something to be said. Not only do the Knicks just feel like they don't have enough like top end talent to really hang with a lot of teams in the East, it's also that you could expect a lot of these guys to maybe kind of wear down and break down a little bit as we go. Like, I don't think the Knicks have looked particularly good for basically the last month or so, or at least the last two weeks. So I wouldn't even consider them a team with much momentum going into this. And Atlanta went that, that like, week or two without Trey Young and with a couple guys banged up. Like, we were fortunate to get them pretty hurt when we faced them on those back-to-back games uh, in late April, but we know the history with Trey Young. He's he's cooked us a couple times. You know, we've, we've, we've beaten up on them as well, but Atlanta could be a tough matchup, and I think a lot of people are just kind of pegging the Knicks beating the Hawks in the first round, and like, I'm with you. I'd rather face the Knicks, but I don't, I don't know who to pick in this series. I think I'm leaning Hawks. I really think I am. New York is a great defense, and we know historically uh, Thibodeau has a good defense, and they've been one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. But you look at Atlanta's firepower with Trey Young. They have Bogdanovich. They have John Collins. They have Lou Williams on the bench. They have uh, Gallinari on the bench. Um, like They have a lot of shooters, man, and I, I just don't know if the Knicks can go deep enough and if they have enough defense to really stop all those weapons. So while I'd rather play the Knicks, I have a feeling we're getting the Hawks. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that because look at the Knicks bench, dude. I mean, you got like Reggie Bullock, Taj Gibson, Maryland's Noel, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Derek Rose. I mean, like, I, I'm these... pretty sure Mitchell Robinson's still hurt, too. I don't even think he's oh, playing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't scare me like these a lot of these teams, especially typical teams, they're almost kind of like an island of misfit toys where <laughs> these guys have experience, but like you know, it's bad experience. As well, a dude, former I, like, I don't, I don't think there's another team in the league that Taj Gibson would get this kind of a role on. It's only because oh, he's God, yeah. this guy. So yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for that as well. Um, as far as the other first round playoff series, since since mostly everything is determined other than the Sixers, and then also the Jazz. Uh, we don't know who the Jazz are playing yet. Um, 
I guess we don't know who the Jazz or the Suns are playing. I'm sorry, the West games both still have to happen tonight. Oh, that's uh, right. What are there any playoff series in either conference that you know have your attention that you're going to pay attention to uh, more than others as far as the first round is concerned? So the first one that comes to mind is Milwaukee and Miami, of course. Yeah, like that. I mean, especially in the East, like that's going to be the one that's just going to draw a lot of interest. And I mean. I think Milwaukee wins it, obviously, but I'm just waiting for another Jimmy Butler meltdown. It happened a little bit earlier in you know this season, but maybe it, uh, you know, maybe he's the, uh, you know, becomes the ultimate guy who. Uh, did you uh, see the? Uh, <laughs> did you see the tweet about him today? Um, I, I forget. I think it's nine. Yeah, here it is. Tom Haverstrow put this out there. Uh, the Heat versus the East's top three seeds. So Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. The Heat played the Sixers three times. Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler played, and they and they won. So against the Sixers, he played one of the three games. They did win the game that he played. Against Brooklyn, Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler did not play. Against Milwaukee, Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler did not play. Jimmy Butler did not play. He's only played one of nine games this season that the Heat played against the top three teams in the East. Little, wow. little cowardice? Good luck with that. Like, <laughs> to be fair, all trolling aside, there, a lot of those games came in a stretch where he was out for, like, COVID-related, like, protocol bullshit. So, yeah. like, if I have to be objective, fine. But still, like, come on, dude. People are talking yeah. about the Heat being this team. Everybody's scared of Jimmy Butler. Barely, barely saw these teams this season. Like, don't act like we're all supposed to be afraid of this. I agree with you. Milwaukee wins that series. I wasn't scared of the Heat in the first place. I didn't give a shit about that loss to them uh, in May when we really didn't care and we knew we were going to be the yeah. one seed. I think it was blown out of proportion. So, whatever. But yeah, the Milwaukee and Miami series is definitely the one that that piques my interest in either conference. And I just want to make sure everybody knows that as we're almost getting to the point where you'll hear me talk to Harrison uh, from Liberty Ballers that Steve was not in that on that conversation. And it's really <laughs> scary how you are completely aligned with both me and Hare and are, are are making all the same responses to these topics. Steve did not know any of what happened. I just got off the phone with hair like 10 minutes before me and Steve started talking. So before anybody thinks that this is all preconceived, I swear to God, this is completely coincidence. And you know, it's just three dudes that know ball. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I think that's right. Just (laughs) born the hoop. Like you said, I like that. Um, So the the last two things I'll, I'll ask you, Steve, and then we'll get to my, my interview with Harrison. Uh, so to me, the three guys that I think are like safe for the Sixers bench, like I think in every series all the way up to the finals, you're going to see these three guys around the same amount of minutes for the most part. Um, you could make the case that Dwight may play less minutes based on Embiid, but I still think Dwight Howard, George Hill, and Matisse Steibel are the three bench players that I can't imagine a game where they don't play for like, any reason other than injury or something. I, I think that they're all locks. So to me, the three guys that that fall in line after that are Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz, and Tyrese Maxey. So my first question is, do you agree with the three guys that I have as like the safe tier and the other three guys being more 
unknown. And regardless of that, rank for me your level of confidence in those bottom three. So Shake, Furkan, and Tyrese Maxey. Hmm. I mean, I also kind of had Gary Clark into the mix, but I no, guess that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is he, no, he's I'm not a, even eligible, is he? Oh, that's right. No, we signed him like two weeks ago. Yeah, right? I don't think he's eligible. Yeah, I th- I think Tolliver is eligible, but I think you know, he he's is, but the, he's not fucking playing. No, no, he's definitely not. But no, I'm in in agreement with all of your guys uh, as far as the three that are locked to get playoff minutes and the three that are kind of on the bubble. Uh, the first one I would have, and I'm just not pandering here, but Furkan Korkmaz. Wow. Okay. You so, sure you're not pandering? It's okay. Oh no, I'm I'm definitely not. Just because of the three, he's he's gonna he's gonna be the one that would be more consistent. Uh, we saw how Shake was in the playoffs last year, and Maxi being a rookie, and you know, as far as the further away from the basket he is the less likely he's he's less effective let's say so i think furcon is is going to be the guy who would get the most minutes um you know he's also ideally he's a three so there's a size component as well so i would have furcon um and then i would just have shake and maxi i think maxi just i mean i know he's been playing really well with the minutes he's got as of late but I'm not so sure Doc is going to rely on him, but I mean, you never know, man. I, I mean, Doc Doc does has scared me a lot in the regular season with his second unit lineups and the amount right. of uh, time they get at time, you know, at times. So yeah, I, I that's th- the quote he had where he said, "We won't hesitate to play an all bench unit in the playoffs." Has given me nightmares, and I really think that he knows he's kind of fucking with us. But yeah. at the same time, he might do it. And, like, in the first round, fine, I get it. But if I see Mike Scott on the floor and beyond the first oh, round, God. I'm going to fucking kill myself. Um, yeah. yeah. We don't I, need Mike Scott, especially playing the five. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. So, yeah, I think you could convince me that Shake would be at the top of this list. Um, you know how I feel about Ferk on Korkmaz and – Tyrese Maxey is, is is a guy that here's a guy. Um, he is the ultimate. Here's the guy. He, guy. He, here's a guy. <laughs> guy uh, that like he could not play for three games and then get called upon in a game where they're down to try and just put up ten points real quick and actually do it. And he's a rookie. Yeah. It's so crazy to say. Like you said, he's been playing so well as of late. Like I would have never entertained the idea of him even seeing the floor like a month ago, Um, the same way that, you know, three to four months ago, I was a little worried about Matisse seeing the floor, even with his good defense. I was, I was a little unsure if you could really find a way to play him. Now I'm saying you have to find more minutes for Matisse somewhere. And I'm also not going to be that bothered if there are situations where they just say, dude, like everyone's kind of struggling. There's not enough energy. Like, how do we, how do we stir this up? Like tight, Tyrese Maxey's that guy, man. Yeah. It's, no, I, it's I, awesome. Like, they have so many different, like, all their bench players fill these different roles. And depending on the series, especially as we get later, you know, the the, the game situation, the, the momentum, you know, who's hot, who's not. Like, there's a lot of different guys that you could definitely make cases for minutes, which is funny because in the past, you know, few years, we've been saying, 
all right, so is there one bench guy we can live with 10 minutes of? Are there two bench guys we can live <laughs> with 10 minutes of? And now we're like, hey, like we have a pretty good top eight, top nine, and also there's still two to three other guys that maybe we see. Like it, it's They've come so far, man. Yeah. It's, I almost – I feel bad almost forgetting about how bad the bench – you know, was and, and we're not even talking about the the centers that would back up Joel. Yeah, no, um, we're not going to do that. Please, I yeah, don't, I don't want to do uh, that. Like I said, Dwight's safe, and I love Dwight. And like, there is no, there's no world to me. I know that like Brooklyn could be a team that tries to play small, but I still just, you know, maybe Brooklyn's the one matchup that I could see them like playing Ben at the yeah. five or even Tobias at the five. Like they just don't want to throw Dwight out there depending. And that's fine. But again, like I also think the Nets are going to play a good amount of DeAndre Jordan, which means like, you know, even if that means that you identify DeAndre Jordan minutes to sneak Dwight in there and get him beat or rest, I think that's fine. So even in yeah. that matchup, I think you can find a way to get Dwight out there just enough to spell Joel. Um, so I, I think he's safe. But obviously, if it's not him, it's because you're just not playing another center. There is nobody else that's taking his role. Oh, yeah. So you're either going small ball or you're playing Dwight as your backup center for you know, 10 minutes a game, maybe 8 minutes a game if you think you can get Joel to 40. Uh, I'm a little weary of that. I think Joel needs to play like 37, 38. Uh, yeah. I've heard people talk about getting him to 40 and, hey, you know, if this week really gets him there and, is it, and if his conditioning is really where, you know, we think it might be where we thought it, it was early on in the season, you know, maybe maybe that's a possibility. Look, there's no more back-to-backs. They're barely going to have to travel for the next, like, month. Right. Uh, when you assume that their path is going to be, even if it's the Knicks or the Hawks, you know Atlanta's not that far. The, the Knicks obviously would be great if they if they play Washington. It's super close. If they Indy's a little bit of a travel, but and then even if it's Brooklyn in the conference final, it's not very far. So there's a, a very real chance that they're barely even getting on planes or anything, which I'm sure Joel fucking hates being that big. So yeah, I did see our friend uh, of the pod Marty Teller tweet about yeah. how. If we were to play, let's see. Um, it was like Washington, Washington New York, New York Brooklyn. That's, like we wouldn't even have to take a plane. But then he found out that they, they do fly uh, into whatever airports for uh, Brooklyn and, and, and the Knicks. Yeah, which but, is so weird. Yeah, which, which is really weird. But, I mean, I guess that's better than a two-and-a-half-hour bus. I mean, it might on. be different. If they like in the playoffs, obviously, you know, when you talk about like game one, two, and then three, four in the road, like if you're going to be there for a longer time, maybe they would take a bus. Maybe you're only flying when you also have to get somewhere else afterwards. But in this case, if you're going between Philly and, and Brooklyn or, or, or New York, then uh, maybe that would be the time where they take the train or the bus or something. So who knows? Um, all right, Steve, my last thing for you before we get to um, Harrison is we talked about this on the last pod. So I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on this before we get into the playoffs. I need your top three Potential bell ringers for the postseason in Philadelphia. Uh, this was all spurred by the Daryl Morey tweet about trying to get Sam Hankey to ring the bell. Um, I'll tell you, because I'm assuming you may be the same, that both me and Harrison have Hankey as number one. Oh, really? Okay. Do you have I don't have Hank I don't have Hankey on my list just oh. only because only because I, I don't see it happening 
I mean, I pray well, to God. This is, I am this is all hypothetical, but okay. So is your list, yeah. your list is practical then, I guess. Somewhat, okay. somewhat practical. All right. Uh, all right. Hit me with it. So, all right. So number three, I have Will Smith, <laughs> especially if they play Miami because Philly is his first home. Dude, Miami Harrison had Will home. Smith as number three. Oh my Son God. of a bitch, and, dude. This is crazy. And, and this is, I didn't say it. But my stipulation to Will Smith was going to be that it can't be him if it's Miami because he has a song about how great <laughs> Miami is. And it's an yeah. ultimate jinx, man. Oh, this is so insane. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe uh, you both have fucking Will Smith as number three. And, and the kind of I, – I try to research, like, exactly who or what people rung the bell, but I'm pretty sure Will Smith's one of the people that – hasn't done it yeah and he's a partial owner and i don't yeah, think he's ever done it i think strange. i think jada pinkett smith did before okay i think i could be making that up but i swear to god she did yeah all right uh, who's number two number two i have bob saget <laughs> i really when i was doing my research i saw him come up as a philadelphia guy and i was like i just i can't say it but that's funny yeah and It'd be dumb. I'm, I'm sure he is not a sports guy. Yeah. I always forget that he is from Philly. Um, but people are still going to think, oh, it's the dad from Full House. <laughs> yeah, we'll get excited. Not the guy who uh, sucked dick for cocaine? No, no, not that guy. Not that no. guy. Couldn't be <laughs> the same guy. Weed? Yeah. <laughs> and then number one, um, I'm sure you guys have it. But, again, someone who's never rung the bell, who's, you're going to get the biggest pop. It's got to be Brian Dawkins. Oh, shit. Yeah. I like that. Brian, Brian Dawkins, apparently he's given uh, speeches to the team a couple times throughout the past few years. The just, Sixers? You know, yeah, yeah. Sixers. Okay. Like this kind of motivational stuff. I, I mean, dude, you don't got to be a professional athlete. Every fan knows like anytime there's some sort of video with Brian Dawkins, oh, yeah. like it just gets you pumped up. You want up to run through like, the wall. Absolutely. He's, he, every, he is the embodiment of running through a brick wall. Yeah. And so he's been kind of the motivational speaker guy for a lot of these teams and, but has never rung the bell, which is nuts to me. But I mean, he, I would think, cause part of it, especially with playoff time, they got to get the guys that are going to give you the, the big pops and of course some some honorable mentions I have would be like Joe Biden, but like <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah, you're not going to get a you know anyone political. You're I didn't even think about Bruce. Joe Biden. I should have had yeah. him on my list. That's a really good one. So yeah, I mean he's maybe Jill. Jill could come. What's she doing? That's true. And the dogs. Yeah. She better bring the dogs. Oh my god, yeah. If she uh, comes without the dogs, I'm booing her. Yeah, oh, I, I forget. Yeah, Major, the guy that uh, bit all the Secret Service. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good boy that's, in that's my a good book. Boy. Oh, and, and real quick, I had some honorable mentions. Um, I had Gritty, I had Hip Hop, Chuck Taylor, and uh, Kat Dennings because apparently she is also uh, from Philly. Uh, but I don't know what's more surprising, that or that she's engaged to Andrew WK. Dude, but. so. Okay, so I didn't give my list yet. So one, oh, okay. gritty, gritty is fantastic. 
Uh, hip hop would be fucking funny, but half the crowd wouldn't know, and there's no way the Sixers would God. ever let that happen. Yeah, but very funny. My God, people aren't going to know who he is. So my You're one, right. my number one was Hanky, obviously. My number two is Cat Dennings, but oh, it has, wow, okay. but it has to be with Andrew WK. Yeah, I need them both. I don't want that. Cat Dennings and, does, and, isn't enough for unless she's un, I, unless she's you know. You know, show, showing off the goods oh, yeah. a little bit, yeah. not not to you know be that guy, but yeah, you know, I'd be fine with her dress however she wants, but she has to bring Andrew WK. And Andrew WK has to have blood blood running. Yes, out of his, mm-hmm. like that's I know blue it's and game, red, but... blue and red, mm-hmm. Sixers. Yep. Yes. So yeah, I want them. I want them to do it together. They can hold hands. She can show off her ring, but absolutely, Cat Dennings and Andrew WK is number two. My number three was Eddie Alvarez, uh, UFC local oh. UFC guy. Just. Tough man, like that's just a, you know, like that's a guy you you bring in if you have to face. I wouldn't say so much Brooklyn, but Milwaukee or Miami, where you know it's going to be a tougher, more physical series. You bring in a, a you know, well known UFC champion from the yeah. area, just as that like kind of like homage to Rocky, but like an actual real guy and not just you know Sylvester Stallone playing a tough guy in a movie. So um, yeah. I think that it's much more symbolic to have a guy who's actually a fighter that's and a actually one. a champion. Yeah, I actually know he's been to Union Games, and they like to show him off. But yeah, I, I, I wonder if he's even rung the bell before. But I think I Danny mean, Garcia has been there before. He's the boxer from Philly. Oh, that's right. I yeah. think Danny Garcia has. I'm a big fan of his as well. But I don't think Eddie Alvarez has. So Eddie Alvarez was third on mine. It was hard to find anybody that I honestly would give a shit about. Like Meek will be a great one, but he's done it before. I'm sure he'll probably get one. Like. Questlove or the Roots in general would be cool, but yeah. again, I think it's I think it's happened already. So like, you know, they're gonna bring like AI out there and Dr. it's whatever, J. you know, yeah. whatever Iverson can do for like a thousand bucks in his pocket. Yeah. So. All right, so yeah, um, <laughs> I can't I can't believe that you and Hair had like the same goddamn answer to every question. This is crazy. So Sorry. yeah. <laughs> Um, but even with that, the, the conversation that I had with hair was really, really great. Um, this episode is going to end up being pretty long now. Uh, maybe, maybe break it up if you want. Uh, but here's the interview with, um, Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers. Again, follow Harrison at Harrison underscore Grimm. Check out everything from Liberty Ballers. They're on Twitter at Liberty underscore Ballers. Uh, make sure you follow Steve at SW Jones 87. Myself at Dan says that and all social media, Instagram. Twitter, Untapped, Twitch, everything at Process Potables. We're there on DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code TBPN. Here is Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers. All right, I am joined by a longtime friend. He's been on the pod before. Happy to have him back on. Harrison Grimm of Liberty Ballers. Make sure that you give him a follow on Twitter at Harrison underscore Grimm with two M's and Liberty Ballers is on Twitter as well at Liberty underscore ballers hair how have you been man long time no talk happy to have you back on the pod yeah i've been doing good man i, I appreciate you having me on again uh, it's great to be back um I'm, I'm ready to talk about the sixers team there's been a lot of exciting storylines uh with this year's sixers so there's just so much to talk about uh, especially now that we're approaching the po- the postseason which is the most exciting time of the year yeah, there's a whole lot to talk about with this team. I'm excited to get into a lot of it with you. I want to ask you first, before we talk Sixers, though, obviously we both follow the league in general as well. And over the last week or so, there's been a lot of conversation about the play-in tournament. And last night we were treated to 
two very different types of games with a an absolute blowout by Indy over Charlotte with Sabonis going for 14-21-9. and nine. Doug McDermott dropping like 26 on him. O'Shea Brissett having a night. They don't even have Karis LeVert or Miles Turner, and they absolutely rout Charlotte. And then we get kind of a more competitive game with Boston and Washington. Tatum drops 50 on them. Uh, for Boston to secure the seventh seed, and their award is a series against the uh, basically title favorite Brooklyn Nets uh, in the first round. So there's been a lot of people who who like this idea. There's been some very vocal critics, LeBron James being one of the primary ones who don't seem too happy about the idea of this tournament. Obviously, tonight we know we get Warriors at Lakers, which is really the the matchup I think everybody was looking forward to out of the four games there are. We also have Spurs at Grizzlies. So, Harry, just in general, you know, what were your thoughts about the idea of the playing tournament in general? And then I guess your thoughts last night, if that if that reinforced anything, if that changed your mind at all, you know, what did that do for you? Yeah, so when this whole playing thing was announced um, about a year ago or, or however much time it's been, I was really almost against it. Uh, and I'm kind of a traditional NBA fan in, in that sense. I like sticking to the norms. Um, maybe it's a bit of, of a boomer take where um, if, if it isn't broke, don't don't fix it. And I didn't necessarily feel like the playoff formatting in years prior was bad. But I must say, as the season has gone on um, and, and we got a chance to see really some things come down to the wire uh, over these last few weeks in terms of playoff positioning and and who's going to be a play-in team, uh, made things really interesting. I, I felt like teams um, didn't coast over the last few weeks, which is something that's been a problem in, in seasons prior where, where teams are just checked out, um, they're ready for the postseason. Um, and, and I felt like it, it really did make games a lot more exciting. Um, and, and I do think that, that the play-in tournament is going to be something that sticks. I, I think that... Uh, ratings for regular season play at the end of the season have gone up. And obviously these playing games are are so decisive. Um, it, it can literally uh, end or continue a team season. Um, that, that viewership is obviously going to be high. And, and as you mentioned, uh, the game that we're all looking forward to is, is the Warriors-Lakers matchup, which um, is going to be happening later tonight. Uh, so I think it's something that's here to stay. Um, it's something that I've I've grown to like with time, um, and, and maybe maybe that's just because I'm biased because the Sixers are a one seed, so we we don't necessarily have to go through the stress of um, maybe some other fans uh, who are that or who are in that position. Uh, but overall, I, I feel like it's a welcome change. It's something that's definitely grown on me, and and I definitely think it's something that's here to stay. Yeah, I think it's here to stay as well, and. I really like the idea of it. What I didn't consider being like a ramification of it, and I forget, I either heard it on Bill Simmons' podcast or on Open Floor. I forget which one was talking about it, but it's not even that it's as important necessarily for, you know, like teams that are 9 and 10 that would basically just already have their season done to get a chance to get in. But we saw that there's like a lot of implications as far as teams that are hovering around five, six, and seven, or, you know, five and six, uh, wanting to stay out of that too. So not only does it actually, you know, give a couple worse teams an outside chance, which as we know with the NBA, lower-seeded teams 
always are getting steamrolled by the top. There's really not much upset potential in one eights and two sevens historically in the NBA, but I think where the value really lies is making those teams in like a four, five, six in the conference just play till the end. And even if they're out of contention for like home court or anything, they're just trying to make sure that they don't fall into a situation where they could actually miss the playoffs. So I think there's a lot of value there for it that I honestly didn't really consider until, you know, we just went through it at the end and saw some of the teams, you know, trying to hold on or all the jockeying for position. Uh, you know, to stay here in our attitude. We saw Portland very easily could have ended up in that playing tournament, and instead it's it's the Lakers. So it's crazy to think about LeBron James and that and Anthony Davis, you know, being eliminated from the playoffs before they even get in. But that's the reality that it is, and I think that that's exciting. And I bet you come tomorrow when we find out what the ratings for this Warriors-Lakers game tonight are, I mean, that's going to be the absolute – lock that this doesn't go anywhere for a little bit is if that game does the numbers I expect it to you're able to get you know two of arguably the three or four biggest names in the league in a primetime matchup before the playoffs even start in a game that counts for so much like that's huge for the NBA so I think they have to love that specifically about the games themselves Last night we saw both East games, so now we know that the Sixers are going to face the winner of Indiana and Washington. Did you t- take away anything from either of those games, you know, Indy blowing out Charlotte or Washington losing to Boston uh, that would give you any reason to believe that, you know, either of them could give the Sixers any bit of trouble or? Yeah, yeah, so so that's that's an interesting question. Uh, I actually did watch both games uh, last night, uh, and, and I am going to watch both games. I think everyone is at this point. They're just so entertaining. Um when it came to the Hornets-Indiana game, the main takeaway I had was, well, this roster is just really banged up. Like, they had some guys playing. They had Sabonis playing. They had Brogdon playing. But they didn't look right in, in certain moments, especially Brogdon. I felt like defensively, he looked very stiff. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he didn't look right. Um, and, and I think the big takeaway from that game and the reason we saw we saw the end result uh, which was Indiana just pounding the the Hornets, uh, was was it was a much more experienced team. Um, yes, they haven't really advanced in the postseason, uh, but they've played in a lot of postseason games throughout the first round, prolonged first round series, um, and they definitely looked like it last night. There was there was a lot more urgency. I felt like defensively there was a, a lot more intensity, and, and Charlotte was just kind of going through the motions. They were there was a lot of isolation ball. Uh, the Pacers were running a lot of half-court sets with a ton of off-ball movement. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, the, the Pacers were a team that going into this season I was a lot higher on than where they ended up. Now injuries and, and also feuding between the players and the coaches have been a factor in where they are. Uh, but they still are a really tough team, all things considering. I, I think that they're a pretty deep squad, even even with all the injuries that they've had. They, they've went out and, and signed some guys. Uh, they've really stepped up. T.J. McConnell, who who we're both really familiar with, um, he he's really performing well this season. He's really stepped up, uh, which is good for him. I'm I'm always going to be rooting for him. Um, and then the interesting, the more interesting of the two games, which was probably the the Celtics Wizards matchup. Um, it, it was really entertaining, uh, especially throughout the first half. It was a lot of back and forth, uh, pretty even. 
Um, and then Jason Tatum just completely went off in the second half, ended up with 50, um, which I'm happy that the Sixers won't be matching up with the Celtics. Yes, okay, they don't have a bench. <laughs> Their second-best players down. Um, but I, I feel like Jason Tatum could potentially prolong that series. They have a lot of perimeter offensive firepower on that team. And I do believe that that Brad Stevens is a good coach, which which I know has been kind of a focal point for for some people, and some would argue otherwise. Uh, but but if you're telling me that the Sixers got to go up against either Scott Brooks or Brad Stevens, I, I would rather have Scott Brooks personally of the two. I don't know how you feel. No, I agree with that. I mean, all like trolling and joking aside, there is a reality that Jason Tatum is one of the few players that could get so hot that that series is at least interesting. I mean, I'm without Jalen Brown, I'm really not scared of, of the Celtics, but I still think that they would be a more entertaining matchup than Washington or maybe Indy. I mean, I think Indy's actually pretty good, and when you talk about how banged up they are, you're exactly right, but then you consider that they blew Charlotte out like that with Sabonis banged up, with Brogdon out there, you know, hobbling a little bit and without Karis Levert and Miles Turner. So like that team, you know, even had two great players not on the court in a blowout win against Charlotte. And while I don't expect Miles Turner to be back, Karis Levert very well could play not only in their game against Washington, but could be available in a first round series. So uh, we've seen Karis Levert in his time with the Brooklyn Nets give the Sixers fit at fits at times too so if he if they can actually get in and get him back he's been playing really well as of late I think he's averaging like 24 5 and 5 over like the last 10 games of the season or something so like I had Indy beating Charlotte when I when I made the pick yesterday under the impression Levert was playing and when I saw that he later got ruled out I was like oh wow like this game could potentially be a little more interesting than I thought and then it wasn't at all and so that kind of tells you how deep they are. And TJ McConnell, like you said, we both know him, but I mean, he was a menace last night. Like they, like he, he was all over the place. He was jumping every passing lane. Like Charlotte looked like a, like a bad college team last night at times. They had no idea what to do in their half court offense. And, you know, they're missing Gordon Hayward, but I don't, I don't know. If that's enough of an excuse for some of the sloppy play that they had last night. Like you said, they're young, they're inexperienced. Indy has been here, albeit not all that successfully, but they have been here. So there was something to say for that. So between Indy and Washington, do you, do you have a preference in who you'd want to play? Are you does either team concern you at all? Or I, I don't think um, either team like will upset the Sixers. I don't think there's any real shot that either Indy. Uh, or Washington is a serious threat for that. Uh, when, when I look at that that question, I think who has the chance of prolonging the series the most? Um, which obviously it's best if the Sixers take advantage of this this playoff road that they can possibly have and take care of business because there's going to be a lot of series throughout the Eastern Conference which are extended, uh, Milwaukee, Miami, and then also there's that insane second round matchup between what will likely be Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Um, so the Sixers should really take advantage of, of just taking care of business. Um, so, so factoring that in, uh, I think the answer is Washington. And I know that, that Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they are a talented backcourt. Uh, it hasn't necessarily translated to wins for the entire year. 
Uh, they actually have a pretty big losing record where one of one of the two scores 40 or more. Um, but but in my mind, you have Russell Westbrook, who didn't look great in the Boston game. No. We'll see what, what, what happens against Indiana. And then you have Bradley Beal. And, and there was moments like I felt like offensively Bradley Beal looked good. He looked all right. And then defensively, like, he just looks so stiff and, and just not mobile. He didn't yeah, look he's not healthy. right. He's definitely not healthy. Yeah, and, and you know, that's unfortunate to see. Bradley Beal's a really entertaining player. Mm-hmm. but and, and, and then you just go down the rest of Washington's roster. Um, like, like, let me ask you, who is the third best player on that team? I would say you could you could convince me of Hachimura or Bertans. I would say Hachimura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wh- whether it's Hachimura or Bertans, like that's a big drop from yeah. from two to three. Yep. In, in terms of a best player, and then you just look down the rest of the Washington roster, and it's just a bunch of guys. If they start and- Howell Neto. That should tell you all you need to know. They start <laughs> Howell Neto. Yes, yes, and and listen, I, I'm sure Sixers fans think that that that's insane, and honestly, it it is. They it they've is. had death problems, um, and and I think that whenever you're talking about a potential Sixers playoff series, you gotta look at the center matchup because the Sixers' best player is a center, um, and and I I would much rather have Joel Embiid make quick work of Alex Len and and Daniel Gafford than uh, Demontis Sabonis, who who's a lot more talented. Uh, so, so I think for me personally, I would definitely say the Wizards. Yeah, the way the way I explain it to anybody at this point is, the Wizards, maybe Beal takes a game, maybe Beal takes a game, and like we talked about, I don't, I don't think he's healthy. And honestly, you know, the more they have to play, I don't think he's gonna have time to really get right either. So you figure, if he has to play hero ball and somehow beats the Pacers, it probably takes a lot out of him. Then he has to start in Philly on Sunday and get beat the hell up for a couple games. Like, I don't think it ever gets better for him at this point. Uh, Indy, like, I could see Indy taking the Sixers six. I wouldn't, that's not my expectation. But if you told me the Sixers had to win that series 4-2, I wouldn't be that surprised if I'm being honest with you. And I'd give it, like, a 10% chance to go seven. Like, they're just deep. And again, if Levert comes back and can play, he's given us trouble. Like you said, Sabonis is tough. He even beat up. He he plays a lot of minutes, so he'll be out there and he can bang a little bit. And he's one of those guys that'll annoy you. Doug McDermott seems like the type of guy that right now is, is just shooting insane and can get his looks. You know, I don't know if you would have to you know, find a way to keep Matisse on the floor more to chase him around because I think that's one of the Sixers' biggest defensive weaknesses is having somebody to chase somebody through screens and stuff. We know they have a lot of good one-on-one defenders, and we know Embiid's great at protecting the rim, but, you know, Danny Green's not a guy that can chase guys through screens anymore. Uh, They tend to not use Ben in that role, as we've seen before, because they like him to be able to float and jump lanes and whatnot. So I think Indy does have some interesting matchups that that they could certainly try to exploit against us again none of these teams would worry me but i think there's a pretty big drop off between indy and washington so i definitely would prefer to face washington as far as ease of access for the sixers i definitely agree with you there yeah yeah i i think that's the biggest thing for me for for not just the first round series but for the second round series how quick can the sixers take care of business and i i'm more confident in them 
beating the Wizards. I, I think maybe Westbrook or Beal goes off for a game, but I think it's a five-game series. With the Pacers, I, I think you're right. I could see it going five, maybe six games just, just because of how deep they are. Um, and the fact that Sabonis is just a, a much more talented big than than anyone on Washington right now, that's that's healthy. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, as we look ahead, we, again, so we're, we're both very confident that regardless of the opponent, the Sixers should handle the first round with, with little to no difficulty. We know that in the second round, they're going to face the winner of Knicks-Hawks. So we don't know who it is yet, but just real quick, give me your thoughts on that. You know, if either of those teams scare you, which one would you prefer to play? And then if you, you know, if you have a prediction for how that series actually ends up going, uh, we can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the Sixers were fortunate. Um, yes, both the Knicks and Hawks have been quality teams this year, uh, but but they're definitely a solid tier or two below either Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Um, so so I'm thankful for that. Uh, in, in terms of someone who, if I'm the Sixers, I would rather match up with, I think the answer is pretty clearly the uh, New York Knicks. Uh, just because their their guy is Julius Randle. Uh, the Sixers have a lot of defenders that they can throw at him, including Tobias Harris, who has actually done a phenomenal job defensively uh, on Julius Randle. So that, so that leaves Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel that, that you could throw at other people, giving you problems. Um and, and listen, I get that the Knicks are one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, but their offense is Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, who, listen, Julius Randle has been great this season, uh, but I'm confident in the, in the Sixers' abilities to limit him, um, along with R.J. Barrett. We, we've seen Ben Simmons put R.J. Barrett in jail defensively. <laughs> um, and, and then you look at the, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you have someone like Trey Young, who has in the past given the Sixers a lot of trouble. Yep. Uh, Clint Capella, who's probably one of the better Embiid defenders. I'm not saying he would stop him, uh, but but Joel w- would definitely have to earn his, I feel like, against him. Um, and then I think one of the biggest aspects about that Atlanta team that not many people talk about is they have a lot of big athletic wings that you could throw at Tobias Harris, that you could throw at Ben Simmons. Uh, with DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish, who who are finally starting to get healthy. Uh, so, so I think just factoring in all those aspects I mentioned, uh, I, I definitely feel a lot more confident about beating the Knicks. I think the Sixers could do that in five. Atlanta, I, I could definitely see that being like a six-game series. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's an easy series, but I, I do think they do get the job done. Once again, I agree with you. The The one thing I've heard from people about the Knicks series, and I just don't really know if it's that big of a deal, but it's the one thing I've heard talked about. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Is uh, you, you mentioned how good of a defensive team they are. We know Thibodeau's their coach, and he plays all his starters a lot of minutes, and uh, they have been one of the best defensive teams in the league, albeit they are also like a slower pace kind of team. So in general, like they, their games are just kind of slower as well, which I think kind of leans itself to that. But I, I've heard people talk about the struggle the Sixers could have just getting like beat up in that series by the Knicks being very physical and that impacting them heading into the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Is that something that you actually like would buy into at all? I honestly don't, but I feel like I've heard it on a couple of different podcasts, more like national media type stuff than local guys. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've seen that. I've heard that too. Um, I do think the Knicks are more of a physical defensive team than the Hawks. Uh, I I don't think it's as big as a factor as people are making it out to be, especially when you put in the perspective that the Sixers could have been matching up with the Bucks or Nets easily in the second round. Uh, so if you tell me that they have to match up against the Knicks, you know, I I, I just I, I I get what people are saying. I I don't think I agree with it. Um, just because I, I'm confident that the Sixers could take care of business in that in that series. There's just so many matchup advantages that they have um, that that I just don't think it would be like a grueling five games or more series. I I I, I personally don't see that at all. Yeah, I agree. I have a hard time seeing that series go beyond five because, again, we talked about Trey Young's a guy that's had past success. Even when we look at like a Washington, or even if they would have had Boston, we know Tatum and Beal are both guys that have dropped forty, you know, fifty, you know, have had those games against the Sixers. Even if Julius Randle has an amazing game, what is an amazing game for him against the Sixers? Like thirty to thirty-five points, and then who else is even? scoring close to 25 for them if he does that against this team like I just don't see it there's no they don't have one guy that could definitely beat us and even if their best player has like an above average night I don't think they have the secondary guy to do enough either so it seems very improbable that that they could that they could really do much and as we know Ben Simmons has never lost to the New York Knicks. So <laughs> as long as Ben's playing in that series, I mean, the, the sweep might be might be waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, I could I could definitely be, see it being a sweep. And also, like I said, with the first round matchup, you got to look at, at the center matchups. And if Joel Embiid has to go up against Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson, I, I really like the Sixers' chances of making quick work against yep. them. Absolutely. Uh, so, any other playoff matchup in the, I guess, in either conference, uh, as far as the first round is concerned, that you know just kind of piques your interest or anything? Any anyone that you're going to be paying special attention to? I'd imagine most Sixers fans are automatically going to look at that Bucks Heat matchup in the East, the three six matchup. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's the easy answer, just because of the history there. We saw what the Heat were capable of doing. Uh, when, when they badly beat the Sixers a week or so ago. Um, you know, that's really, my or not Miami, Milwaukee has such a tough road ahead of them. Uh, e- even if they beat the Heat, which I, I think we can both agree that's, that's not going to be a sweep one way or another. Um, I, I think that's at least a five or six game series for the first round. And then they go and take on the Brooklyn Nets. And then if they beat them, they have the Sixers likely waiting at the conference finals. So the Bucks have a very tough road. I, I think another series that you could possibly watch, not that they really have a chance of, of winning against them, um, is the Brooklyn-Boston series. Uh, if, if Jason Tatum plays like, like how he did in that playing game, you know, they have a chance to really prolong that series. I, I don't think at all. Uh, there's any chance that Boston upsets Brooklyn unless there's there's injuries factored in with that. Uh, but that'll be another one I'm watching for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. Um, 
So today, so to get to the Sixers finally, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I definitely want to get some Sixers stuff in with you. You wrote an article today for Liberty Ballers, which, again, I, I gave the handles out. Make sure you're following Harrison and Liberty Ballers. And I also retweeted it so you can find it uh, if you're following me, which I assume most people listening are. But you wrote an article today about, you know, what Seth Curry and Danny Green have kind of meant to this team and, and the turnaround for this team uh, that has come with, with the roster moves they were able to make from them, basically uh, turning Josh Richardson and Al Horford into those two and the success that they've had. And the thing that stood out to me was uh, this season that those two combined to make 305 three-pointers in a 72-game season, shooting an average of 42.8% compared to Horford and Josh Richardson, who only made 184 threes in 73 games and averaged shooting 34.5% from the field. That uh, You also go on to talk about Danny Green's you know perimeter defense, Seth Curry's uh, ability to handle the ball a little bit. I feel like I spent a lot of this season defending Danny Green, especially early on, and obviously I think a lot of people came around on his second half when he really heated up. Seth has been up and down. I, I've been fine with him, but I feel like both of them have, have gotten a little bit, uh, maybe haven't gotten as much credit as they deserve. So obviously your piece uh, tries to do so, but just kind of talk to me about you know what you think about their roles in the playoffs and, and your confidence level in them, because we know Tobias, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid are the stars, and we, we are at least hope hopeful we're going to get what we expect from them, but talk about what, you know, Danny and Seth can really provide for this team and your confidence level in them being a part of, of this team as they try to win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you reading that piece. Thank you. Of course. Um, um, when, when it comes to Seth and, and Danny, they, they've really been great this year. Um, I talked mainly about their shooting in that, in that piece, just because that's essentially what they're on the court to do. That's yes. why the Sixers brought them in. That that's their main role. Um, in, in terms of a playoffs uh, situation, I, I feel like you'll see a lot of Danny Green, uh, regardless of the series. I think the the only way that you don't see Danny Green uh, is if the Sixers really need some shot creation. We saw the Sixers kind of struggle a little bit with that uh, against Miami. Now they likely won't be going up against Miami, uh, but they're going to be going up against a lot of good defensive teams. Uh, so I so I think there might be a chance if, if Danny's shot's not falling, uh, if defenses are really closing out hard on shooters, you might see someone like George Hill uh, step into that role, who, who's a lot better of a, of a playmaker, capable of playing the ball on the floor. Uh, but but Danny's been great, and, and I'm glad that, that I gave Danny some appreciation. I'm, I'm a big Danny Green guy. Same. Um, I, I think defensively he's good, obviously. Uh, the Sixers have been in Matisse, but but Danny has done a terrific job. I feel like uh, of being a good defender, and and I think he's one of the better transition defenders on the Sixers, uh, which which that's an area where they really struggled in this year. Um, he he's definitely someone I like a lot. He he's been a great glue guy for the team, um, and he and he also had one of the best years of his career uh, with with the Sixers. He shot a career high in terms of attempts from. From three, and he shot above forty percent on them while playing good defense. Um, so, so I think you'll see a lot of Danny Green one way or another. Uh, Seth Curry, uh, as you said, um, is a capable ball handler. He, he's not someone that can run an offense, uh, but but if you ask him to, he he can make the right pass. He can penetrate a little bit in, in moments. 
Um, Seth Curry, I'm, I'm a little bit less likely to say you'll see as much use out of him necessarily in the postseason just because uh, we've seen in the past where, where teams really gang up on on the weakest defender. And, and Curry, he, he's passable on defense, but, but if teams are just constantly throwing big wings his way, it, it could become a problem. Um, in that case, I think you have George Hill. Shake Milton has also been uh, good on defense. Uh, but but with all that being said, Doc's come out and he said, you guys know what the record is with this starting five. And and we, we've seen how dominant they are. And it doesn't seem like he, he's going to be willing to change that up, um, at least initially. Um, and, and I think at least for the first two series, you won't see much changes in terms of what we've seen in the regular season uh, with, with Seth and Danny's minutes. Uh, but the Sixers are fortunate to have options like Shake, like George Hill, uh, to to kind of fill in if either one of those guys struggle. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on you? You mentioned Shake and you mentioned George Hill, and they definitely make a lot of sense. But what are your thoughts on Matisse Thybul getting a little bit more of Seth Curry's minutes? Because the more the later and later this season has gone, the more and more you know a lot of people have talked about this. Not not just me, but the more and more it just seems like even with his offensive limitations, they're going to have to find a way to get him on the court more than usual. I mean, he's just become an absolute menace. Like, we knew the the potential for that was there even last year, but this year it's a whole other level. And, you know, there's, there's all these advanced stats and metrics and charts. That you, you know, we could start the Rudy Gobert agenda <laughs> for Matisse Steibel, but... You know, if you watch the games, you know, and if you see the highlights, you know. I mean, you you've got to figure out a way to get that guy on the floor. Do you think that there's any any chance if it comes down to it, like you said, you know, maybe in an Eastern Conference Final, uh, especially if you match up against a, a bigger team like Milwaukee, that they they can't afford to have Seth get hunted, and you may see a, a bigger body like Matisse to also be out there to play defense, uh, potentially have to fill into that slot at times. Yeah, I, I think as the playoffs go on and they begin to match up against whoever comes out of that Milwaukee-Brooklyn series, I think you're going to see a lot more Matisse just because you have, especially if it's Brooklyn, you have so many guys that are capable of getting a bucket. Uh, you, you you essentially got three guys that are capable of getting 30 whenever they want. Um, and, and it seems like that this is that's going to be the calling card of the Sixers either winning or losing is being able to, to stop one of those guys if you can. Um, and, and that's where Matisse comes into the picture. Um, I think you could see an uptick in his minutes. Like I said, I don't think Doc is going to necessarily change the starting five or who he starts the game with. I agree with that for the record. Um, but I do feel like you'll see an uptick in Matisse's minutes as the postseason goes on. And yes, there is offensive limitations Obviously, becomes a lot less bigger of a deal if he's hitting his threes. That, that's kind of the big thing. We've also seen him uh, kind of experiment a little bit with, with driving to the rim with actually pretty good success this season. So that's a promising development. Uh, I, I think a way that you could get around that by, by getting Matisse on the floor more. Obviously, he's not giving you much off the dribble or necessarily even with shooting. Uh, I think you would be better suited to make sure like you could run your main three guys. So so Ben, Tobias, and Joel. Uh, and then you got Matisse. And I, and I feel like you could fill out the fifth spot uh, with someone that's capable of creating their own shot 
Um, so, so that again goes to George Hill or Shake. I feel like that would kind of lessen the lack of offense with with Matisse playing a higher amount of minutes, uh, just because both of those guys are, are capable of getting their own shot. They're capable of hitting shots, um, and and they can also hold their own defensively. So, in my opinion, for the bench, the three safest guys as far as getting pretty consistent minutes and really not having themselves taken out of the rotation at all, even as we get deeper for the Sixers, are Dwight Howard, George Hill, and Matisse Seibel. So I think when you look at pretty much who are the only other guys that could potentially play, my list comes down to uh, Tyrese Maxey, Furkan Korkmaz, and Shake Milton. Rank mm-hmm. those guys for me in the order of who you trust the most and who you would expect to have you know, like the biggest role out of those three? That's a tough question. (laughs) Um, That's, that's really tough because I know you're going to try to not hurt my feelings with Korkmaz. It's okay. I asked you the question. (laughs) You read my mind. Um, So, so I think just with, with doc, uh, one of the biggest reasons that he came to Philly outside of Ben and Joel is he saw what Shake Milton did to to his Clippers team. And I feel like he's someone he's going to ride it out with. I think Shake is clearly above the rotation right now with Tyrese Maxey. Uh, whether, whether or not you agree with it, obviously you can debate it with how well Tyrese has performed as of late. Um, but but Furkin's spacing, I, I feel like, is just so crucial. He's someone that – he's really the only guy on the roster that, that's just a mindless – no hesitation shooter. He just chucks the ball at the rim, and 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 sometimes it's great. Like when he's hot, it's great. But but when he's not hitting, it, it's tough to play him. Um, and and also, I, I feel like this year he was passable on defense. I feel like he was even good in some moments. Um, but also, how well Firkin does defensively um, is a big factor. So I would initially say, going back to your question, I think I would put Shake at one. One being uh, who who I think will get the most minutes out of these three or, or the biggest role, and I think I would go Furkin too, uh, just because I feel like the Sixers need that that spacing, that that mindless shooter, uh, no hesitation. Um, but I will say, if Furkin isn't hitting his shots and and other teams are hunting him out defensively, I think that might be when you see Tyrese kind of overtake Furkin in that discussion, especially if Tyrese is hitting his threes, shooting them with confidence. It's just so hard uh, not to play Tyrese in those instances. And it seems like Doc really likes Tyrese as an energy guy. Like if the Sixers start the game off kind of flat, he'll put him in for a little bit of more penetration, a little bit of scoring. Um, and, it, and that seems like that's that's been his role as of late. And I also just think the Sixers have so many talented guards, which is crazy to say. Uh, but it's they really, really crazy to say. Of, yeah, they, they they have a ton of talented guards, um, and and unfortunately, Tyrese is a guard, and and someone's going to be left out of that. So, yeah, I would go Shake, Furkin, and Tyrese going one to three. Okay, I'm okay. So, basically, when you talk about Shake kind of being above the line there, like, would you put him in that list with Dwight George Hill and Matisse Stiebel? Like, you think he's pretty much has a role and is not going to, and is pretty much going to be in the same kind of, you know, minutes range and role for most of the postseason, barring any kind of catastrophe or anything. 
Yeah, yeah. I per I personally think that Shake is definitively in and with all those guys that you mentioned. Um, he's been a capable scorer for for most of the year for the Sixers. Obviously, there's been a bit of inconsistency with that, uh, some bad decision making. But but he's a guy that can hold his own defensively. He's learned how to use his wingspan more. Um, he's someone that that Doc has definitively had as a as a six man or the scorer off the bench for so much of the year, I, I would just be shocked to see Doc just go away from that instantly. You, you did bring up a great point about what he did to Doc uh, last season, so that, that's a really good point that I had never really considered. I, I do think that Shake's there. I think both Shake and Furkan, I think people forget how like how big they actually are. Like They don't look that big on the court, but they both have really good wingspans, and I do appreciate you giving Furkan his credit for being a much better defensive player this year. I think he learned... I think he discovered that he's actually you know a lot bigger than maybe he even realized. I, I do think that while I think he was definitely at least average, if not you know at times a little bit better this season, that was the regular season, and and I do worry about how he would hold up defensively in a playoff series. So like I definitely can understand having Shake above him. I think if I had to be true to myself, I would do the same. Uh, my favorite thing about Maxi is I feel like. What's crazy, him being a rookie, is that, like, imagine they they come out, they win the first two games against whoever they play in the first round. Game three, you know, they're down 11 at the half. Like, I could see, a, 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 like, a, an alternate reality where Maxi hasn't even played in the series yet, and he starts the third quarter and scores, like, 10 points in that quarter, and the team comes back, and... Like it's crazy that a, a rookie and a guy that fell all the all the way into the early twenties is the type of guy that I could see not playing two games and still coming in hot as ever and being an absolute like microwave scorer off the bench. Whereas you would think that most guys, if they get kind of cooled off like that and don't get their name called, you know, we hear all these stories about that screwing with guys' heads and then they come in and they have to get into a rhythm. Like I just don't think I think he's just built a little bit different. And the Sixers haven't had somebody like that in God knows how long. Yeah, seeing seeing Tyrese's development and growth over just his rookie year has been truly something awesome to watch. Uh, he's just so much more improved and polished in, in a lot of areas. And you typically don't really see that throughout the year of, of a first year, especially guard. Being a rookie guard is hard uh, adapting to the NBA. Typically, you'll you'll see those changes from season to season. We've really seen Tyrese polish and develop his game uh, just as the opportunities have arised as the year has gone on. I feel like he's done better defensively. He's really cut down on, on some of the bad decision-making that all rookie guards are, are prone to early on. Um, and, and the biggest thing with him has always been his shooting, and he's been a much more willing shooter. He's looked confident. He's hit some deep threes. So if, if he's doing all that stuff, um, you know, I, I definitely think at, at some point or another, you will see him just being a spark off the bench kind of guy. Like, like what you said with that scenario, I, I could definitely see something like that happening at some point. Yeah. It's so valuable. It's, it's so insane to be talking about all the, the like potential theoretical scenarios that Sixers bench players would actually be really good for when the past years we've been saying, who on the bench can we even play for five minutes in a game? <laughs> and now we're like, hey, like 
could they go 10 deep and get away with it? And it's like, maybe, like, maybe they actually could go like 10 to 11 deep. And that's going to bring you to uh, my last question about the actual Sixers team. And I have one other thing and I'll get you out of here is, are we going to see Mike Scott beyond the first round? I, I hope not. Um, Nothing, nothing nothing but love for him, man, but it's got to stop now. Yeah, like like Mike, the person, he, he he seems like an awesome dude. It's been cool to see him embrace Philly fans, and Philly fans embrace him back. Um, but the the past year and a half with him, it's it's been tough. He he's out there to shoot, and he's shooting like last time I checked, it was probably around like thirty three percent from three, and I assume that hasn't changed much. Um, he's not giving you anything defensively, so I hope not. Uh, Doc has been really set on using Mike Scott, have we, as we've seen, uh, not just in, in spot minutes as a starter whenever Joel's out, but with the reserves. Um, I, I think the answer would be to to play um, kind of a small lineup with the reserves, maybe with Matisse as the quote-unquote four, uh, Firkin at the three, and then you got two guards, uh, which are probably George and Shaker or maybe Tyrese. I feel like that's the better way to go because if you're going to have someone out there missing shots, uh, I would rather it be Matisse because at least he's giving you something defensively. Yeah, Mike Scott is shooting 34.2% from three for the season. Oh, went up. Okay. And, and only 36% from the field overall, which is just brutal. So, Oh, my. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, the, 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 the real, the thing about like a backup four quote unquote is that it's the playoffs, man. And Tobias and Ben are both horses. Like, I think mm-hmm. they're the answer to the backup four is you just stagger them. Like there's, there should be no time where both of them are on the bench. If you're going to get Tobias rest, then Ben's out there. And if you're going to rest Ben, then Tobias is out there. There's absolutely no reason that both of them are sitting at the same time, unless you're up like. 15 or more and maybe you try and get away with it for a little bit but again man it's the playoffs don't mess around just just get get take care of business get it done and again like we've talked about if you dismiss these first two rounds as you should you can probably get yourself a good amount of you know full days off uh considering all the other series are probably going to have some length to them so I, i really think that that's the answer yeah, I, I think playing Tobias with the reserves is definitely the way to go. The plus-minus numbers support it. The eye test passes with that type of thing. And then also that you can take up the, those minutes that Mike might usually get. Um, and, and like I said, the Sixers have so many talented ball handlers, so many talented guards. You could run someone like George Hill more with the starters in Tobias's role and then run Tobias with the starters and insert someone like Tyrese Maxey and take advantage because those are your most talented guys. No offense to Mike Scott, um, but but I feel like you could really take advantage of the plethora of, of good guard play that the Sixers have uh, by, so by doing that. It's so weird to hear you say that. It's so weird to hear you say that. <laughs> Believe me, it's weird saying it. <laughs> All right, last question I have for you. Uh, me and Steve talked about doing doing this on this episode, so I'm gonna I, I got his earlier. I'm gonna ask you for yours. Top and this all stemmed if 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 you don't know this all stemmed from Daryl Morey actually putting out a tweet about how we should get Sam Hankey to ring 
the bell at a game. So it had us thinking, you know, who who would be some of the the best gets for postseason bell ringers. So here, I need your top three, and you know, it can be for you, it can be for whatever reasons, but the top three people t- that you would like to see ring the bell for the Sixers this postseason for whatever reasons. Yeah, yeah. It, it took me a while to really think of this. This was a tough decision for me, but I do have three. Okay. Um. So at number three, I got Will Smith. Okay. Who doesn't love Will Smith? Great actor. Uh, partial owner of partial the Sixers. Owner. Yep. We 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 haven't really seen him at many Sixers game or events. Like like that would be awesome. The Sixers are great this year. Will Smith is awesome. Get him in there. Okay. I I feel like that's a solid option. I like it. Uh, at two, I actually have Daryl Morey himself, just okay. because of the job he's done this year. It's been terrific. The turnaround is truly impressive, given the time in which he arrived and, and the shortened offseason and everything. I, I feel like he needs some shine, and, and he needs a moment where everyone can just kind of applaud him for, for showing up. That's a really good one. I Honestly, that, that did not cross my mind at all. It's outside the yeah. box, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, totally. And then one... You know, I, I had to go with the man himself. I had to go with with Sam Hankey. Of course. I, I, I don't think it would ever happen just because of the way his tenure ended. But I, I can't even imagine the, the ovation from the crowd, even with the, the arena being only half capacity. It, it would truly be a special moment. I might faint. If it, if he was there, he's number one on my list too. Just so you know, and obviously, you know, that's kind of why I thought of the whole thing in the first place. So of course, he was. But man, and we talked about it on our last episode. Like, I think, I think, I guess the easiest way to say is, I think it's more likely they would ask him than it is likely he would do it. Like, I feel like they may approach him, but I mm-hmm. feel like the the odds of him saying yes are very low. And honestly, I think he, like, I think he likes that he knows we would love it and that he's not going to do it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> something, something tells me he's just sitting there like, yeah, they would really like me to ring that bell, but fuck that. I'm not going to do it. Like, he's just a weird guy, man, but I love him. And if he did it, oh my God, the place would be insane. I mean, you got like 10,000 people in that building. It's going to be hard to not believe it's 20. It's going to be electric, man. Oh, it's going to be great. Even when I was there, I attended the Sixers Warriors game where it wasn't 50% occupancy. It was it was surprisingly loud. I was really impressed uh just from Philly fans, but but I also think you had a great point with that. Both sides have to agree to something like that. And and that's something I I could see him turning down. Yeah. I also d- due I to the fact that I believe down. he lives in uh California full-time now. Yeah. He does. And he's, and he's probably very against traveling even now with restrictions being lifted and stuff i bet you he's he's very much a homebody during all of this so and, mm-hmm. and i get that you know no problem with that so um hair is there anything you want to plug uh really appreciate you having or coming on i thought this was a great conversation again hairs on twitter at harrison underscore grim with two m's uh harrison writes for liberty ballers contributes to liberty ballers you can find liberty ballers on twitter at liberty underscore ballers anything else you want to plug hair yeah, well, well. first off, thanks again for having me on, man. Always great talking to you. Uh, great hearing from you. So thank you. Definitely, man. No problem. Um, yeah, you, you can check out all my work, as you said, at Liberty Ballers. Uh, they got a great crew over there, a lot of talented writers. So please go check out that site if you haven't. And yeah, you can find all my work. I, I do clipping for all the Sixers games, all highlights, breakdowns, what whatever you want. 
uh, you can find that on my Twitter handle, which Dan just said. So those are the two main places you can go to. Awesome. Well, again, Hera, thank you for coming on, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, if you uh, didn't hear at the top of the episode, there is a contest on our Twitter right now where you can potentially win a free NBA jersey. All you have to do is follow us at Process Potables, follow the network we're on at HoopsPodNet, and retweet the tweet that that has the picture and everything. Don't quote tweet it. Don't retweet my tweet. Like, it's all, you know, kind of confusing but retweet the tweet we have to have the most amongst all the pods on the network and if we do we're going to get to pick somebody to win a jersey so make sure you do that uh, at process potables for all our social stuff thanks to hair for coming on we will do a pod next week uh not sure at what point probably recapping like games one and two maybe one two and three uh, we'll see how the series goes so stay tuned next week for that use code tbpn on DraftKings sportsbook And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and trust the podcast.